0: This is a Squiz podcast, where your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Hubble. Spelt H U B B L, it fuses streaming and free to air TV into a single experience, which means you don't have to go in and out of apps to discover content you'll love. Hubble, it's TV and streaming made easy. The Weekly Wrap is The weekend News and what's coming up, I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, can you imagine if you went on holiday and you came home and your house was demolished? So that happened and <laughs> that we will tell happened. you about that. We're also going to talk about what's going on
1: between Israel, the United Nations, and we're going to talk about the Prime Minister's trip to the US. Yeah,
0: while we're in the US, Claire, they now have a speaker, so I'll get you to explain who he is in the week coming up it's a bit of sport some annual events and a notable judgment is set to be handed down and stay to the end we're going to talk about Florence it's a machine and it got bogged got bogged what a cliffhanger let's do it Claire, in the perusing of news each week, we often come across news stories where you go, that can't be true. Surely that didn't happen. And a good example of that is the one this week, which saw a woman in Atlanta, sorry, in America, return home from a holiday to find her home demolished. Yeah,
1: that actually happened. It's a company, the demolishing company, and I really like their name. You call it, we haul it. (laughs) (laughs) But they hauled the wrong place. They got the address wrong. They Mm. tore down the home. She wasn't living in it. It was the old family home, but she
0: had been maintaining it. So very disappointing all round. Very disappointing. It's a pretty big error. Sue Hodgson is this woman's name, and I love the quote. She said, I'm in awe. I don't know how to feel. I'm devastated. I'm sad. I'm just lost, but I'm just more confused. Yeah, there's a lot of feelings there. (laughs) feelings there and it would be very confusing. She hasn't got to the bottom of it. No one's taking responsibility for it. Poor (laughs) Sue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a way to start your week, I think. Um, We're going to get into the biggest story of the week though, that of course continuing situation between Israel and Gaza. The headlines just were dominated by that this week when you go through the analysis of the news and what was headlining.
0: Lots of international wrangling.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So Israel is being pressed over the humanitarian disaster that's unfolding in Gaza. Almost every nation that you can think of has said something about it this week.
0: For Australia's part. So, of course, Anthony Albanese was in the US. He said that Australia, and he's repeated this line a number of times, unequivocally condemns the terrorism of Hamas. We grieve for the loss of every innocent life, Whether that be Israeli or Palestinian.
1: Yeah, and Australia also joined a heap of other nations this week calling for a humanitarian pause Mm. in that conflict so that they can get aid into Gaza. Some aid has been getting through via that RAFA crossing. We spoke about that last weekend. About 60-ish trucks have come through. Uh, Before the blockade, so before three weeks ago, about 465 trucks per day of supplies were getting into Gaza. Humanitarian organisations, though, have been at pains to say that that 465 trucks was not enough then.
0: And it is still not enough now. So point one, I guess this week is that aid is a big topic of conversation. It's a big issue. The other is about the efforts being made to make sure this doesn't become a wider regional conflict. It's been a very busy week at the United Nations Security Council
1: talking about exactly that. I mentioned those calls for that humanitarian pause in the conflict. It's an issue though that The Security Council is pretty stuck on whether it's a ceasefire, whether it's a pause and countries are lining up in different
0: parts of that debate. So ceasefire and pause are different. That's the thing we need to explain here. So when they're saying a humanitarian pause, that's so aid organisations can get in, but then the war can resume after that.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the idea, the idea that Israel does have the right to defend itself and actually wage that war, a ceasefire would be the end of it, demanding that that comes to a close. China is one country on the Security Council that's demanding a ceasefire. Russia is okay with the humanitarian pause, but it
0: wants Israel to stop the
1: airstrikes in the north. And as you said
0: before, Australia and other Western nations are saying a pause is what's required. So still the point being backing Israel in to be able to defend itself and to go into Gaza, if that's what it decides to do. It means... They haven't resolved to do anything, really. Yeah, because they're all tied up in this debate. And, yeah. and of course, it's a bad
1: look with the United Nations top security body being completely frozen over the issue. It's a thing because the Security Council can actually make recommendations for military action if there are reasons to maintain or restore international peace. So- you and
0: I were talking and you said, I don't actually know what the United Nations Security Council actually can do, but found out. Action can be taken if that is something that they decide as a
1: security body to be able to back.
0: There you go. Another big player in all of this is Iran. It's the backer of Hamas, that terror organisation that launched the attack on Israel on the 7th of October, of course, that saw Israel go to war. It's also the backer of Hezbollah in Lebanon.
1: Yeah, so Lebanon, of course, is located to Israel's north. Um, There's also another side to all of this. The United States has troops stationed across the Middle East. In the last couple of weeks, they've been sustaining near-daily attacks by Iranian-backed militias. And the U.S. troops, they're, they're okay. They haven't sustained significant injuries or any kind of casualties, but reports say that at least 11 attacks have happened in Iraq on U.S. troops and also in Syria. There's a new coalition of armed groups. They're called the Islamic Resistance of Iraq, and it didn't exist before the Israel-Gaza war erupted three
0: weeks ago. And So we're, while we're all looking over here, that's happening over there, this is the rub for many analysts when you look at how they're talking about this. A conflict like this can see new extremist groups emerge, basically joining forces over their hatred of Israel, the US and the West.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what happened in the 1980s when Israel went to war with Lebanon.
0: That's what created Hezbollah. Just back in Australia, before we leave this topic, it was announced this week we'd be sending more support to the region, so two additional RAF planes. Troops are being flown to the Middle East as a contingency. No combat, very important to note. Yeah,
1: it's a non-combat deployment and we don't know where they're going to go either. They don't telegraph that kind of information. Reports say that Dubai is probably the most likely. We had, of course, quite a significant presence in that region for 20 years over the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. That ended just just a couple of years ago and now they're heading back.
0: Heading back. What about Aussies living in the region? We're talking about those that might live in Lebanon, they might live in Gaza, wherever they may be. So our Foreign Minister, Penny Wong, this week
1: said that there's about 15,000 Australians who are estimated to be in Lebanon. Just 400 of those have notified themselves to DFAT and they're very worried about the bulk of those Australians and wanting them to get out Mm. just in case there is an issue because if there is something that happens, it's very difficult to get to them. Um, There's 79 Australians who are currently unable to leave Gaza, so DFAT has an eye on them. Uh, More than 1,800 Australians who have registered with DFAT have left Israel and also the West Bank.
0: Claire, I might just pause here because I can hear banging outside. You can hear banging outside. It's a bit of a construction site that seems to be getting louder and louder as we record the podcast. So unfortunately, there might be a little bit of banging throughout this podcast, and there's not a lot we can do about it. I think it might be karma for laughing about a housing demolition story at the top of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Let's finish this off. There's a lot of roles played in big news events like this. A very important important one is the role of the media, of course. One of the things we grapple with every single week, Mm. reading all of the sources, making Mm. sure we're getting the right information. One of the things we were pinging to each other this past week was a podcast by The Economist in which they interviewed a Hamas leader. This was also something that Sarah Ferguson did on ABC's 7.30 last week. Mm. She spoke to the head of international relations for Hamas. It faced some heat this week, that interview. Yeah, it did. So Liberal
1: Senator Sarah Henderson is the person who sort of takes up this stuff on behalf of the coalition in these forums. She was the seven thirty presenter in Victoria when seven thirty used to be state based shows. So yeah. she worked for the ABC and she was a journalist. Um, anyway, what happened this week was she questioned the ABC boss David Anderson about whether it's appropriate to interview a figure like this guy who, of course, represents a terrorist organisation. And what Anderson said is absolutely, yeah, that it was editorially justified. Um, Um, Because it's important to actually put
0: them on the screen, ask them questions and make them accountable. Challenge them on, and is his words, the lies that they're spreading. I watched that interview, as did you. Sarah Ferguson absolutely did challenge him. Um, It's an interesting question, though, the role of journalism in all of this, the responsibility of giving or not giving a voice to a terrorist group. We'll put a link in your episode notes so you can decide for yourself. You can have a look at that interview, whether you think it's appropriate, if that's what you choose to do. This segment this week is a heap of news stories. We're going to get across quite a bit uh, in the next 10, 15 minutes or so. It's a um, bit unwieldy, so we
1: haven't even given it a title as we want to do we on occasion. Yeah, we
0: like to give this segment a title, but this week it's just a whole heap of stuff that happened. Yeah, um, let's go. It starts with our Prime Minister's trip to the US, big state dinner, a couple of big announcements. We joked on the podcast last week that with everything going on in the world – for the U.S. internally as well, Biden could be forgiven for postponing Albanese's visit. In fact, the analysis coming out of the trip, Claire, is highlighting exactly why he didn't do that. The counter-argument is that going to
1: the United States and for Biden to host Albanese mm. is that you're basically making this really big statement to the world, Australia's our mate in the Pacific, yep. they're very important don't go anywhere, Australia. So it's really poignant, I
0: guess, because Albanese is going to China in about a week. Exactly. So the message to China from Biden in hosting Australia is we've got stuff going on elsewhere but we're watching you, we're focused on you and we're very focused on the Pacific region. Here's our mate Australia, as you say, with us, they're a priority. A clear signal he wants its close ally Australia to remain, its close ally. I saw a report which said that Albanese is sort of walking a, a diplomatic tightrope.
1: And I guess we always are, but when you're demonstrating these things, it makes it particularly poignant and it seems like a fair assessment to call it out. The state visit with our nearest and dearest, lots of reminders this week about AUKUS and that alliance. That was announced in 2021 between Australia, the US and the UK, as we know, um, followed very closely by a trip to China next weekend. China, of course, does not like AUKUS one little bit.
0: Yeah. And you know what? No doubt lots of talk about China and that visit in the coming weeks, and we will absolutely cover it on this podcast next week. No doubt. A little teaser there. We'll leave that one. Mm. For anyone who's been following along with us on the trials and tribulations of the Speaker's Chair in US Congress, you're going to give us an update because they have a speaker. I would, I would really do ten minutes on this, but I'm not.
1: Mike Johnson is his name. Mike, not is, Michael, as I not refer Michael. To him. <laughs> Mike. Mike. He's yeah. from Louisiana. He seems to have the right conservative credentials to get the Trump supporters mm. on side. That's been the issue about actually electing one. Uh, and by conservative, I mean, he doesn't think that human beings caused climate change.
0: Okay.
1: He's anti-abortion. He opposes gay rights. He doesn't want America to be involved in foreign conflicts. And in fact, he's voted against aid for Ukraine,
0: is how strongly he feels about that. So, Mike Johnson, that'll be a whole thing. Just a reminder, the Speaker in US Congress is the third most powerful person in the Congress.
1: Yeah, he is the most senior Republican in the US federal government now.
0: Yeah, so it goes President, Vice President, Speaker. So that's him. A big story also out of the US this week was the shooting in the state of Maine. It says something about the week that we've had, that during the week I was watching ABC News, as I pretty much always do, seven o'clock news. We're often texting each other at that time, Claire. It was the fifth story in the bulletin. Yeah. It was such a big day of news on Thursday
1: is the day you're talking about. So what- did they lead with just refresh my memory?
0: What they led with was the uh, murder of Lily James, that mm. shocking story. So this is the New South Wales Bulletin, of course, because we're based in New yep. South Wales. For anyone who missed this story, it's actually a national story. She was a coach at a school in the middle of Sydney. She was found dead on Thursday evening with another member of staff, Paul Tyson, accused of her murder. As I said, one of those local stories that's become big national news, and I'm sure everyone's been following along. The second story was the news that. Bruce Lehrman was the mystery high-profile man charged with the alleged assault of a woman in Toowoomba back in 2021. Yes,
1: so of course he is the guy who was accused of raping Brittany Higgins, which is a story that many of us are very familiar with. So uh, the fact that he was able to keep his name secret was something that he was fighting for but Mm -hmm. there have been law changes in Queensland and his fifth request for that to happen was turned down. So he was on a
0: lot of the front pages when it came to yesterday. Heaps of the front pages. ABC then ran a story about Anthony Albanese and Joe Biden's state dinner. They wrapped up the US Trip, then it was over to Israel for the latest, and then the main shooting. As yeah. I said, this was the New South Wales bulletin. When you look at Queensland, for example, very different. They were live from the town of Tara on the Western Downs, where bushfires, Claire, are a huge problem. Yeah, some homes have been lost there sheds,
1: those kind of buildings. A couple of deaths, too. So a man died earlier in the week protecting his property, and then a woman died from a heart attack while trying to evacuate that area.
0: I guess what we're trying to do here is just show it's been. Um, a lot of different things going on depending on where you are Uh, and some stories that would normally be the absolute biggest stories of the week have dropped right down the list. On that happy note, Claire, let's move on. (laughs) Coming up this week, Claire, it's racing season. The Cox Plate is today at Moonee Valley. So obviously in Melbourne, it's a big one. Do you put a bet on I do like to put a bet on, and we'll get into that in a
1: little bit of time. Oh, Um, will we? Yes. The Cox Plate (laughs) is very exciting, though, because it is a bit of a precursor to the Melbourne Cup. It is. It's a
0: real signal that we're hmm. right in the thick of racing season. Yeah. Sunday morning, the Rugby World Cup final, uh, 6 a.m.-ish, depending on where you are. New Zealand versus South Africa. If you want to get into it with some talking points, we'll give you one that you can toss around so you sound like you know what you're talking about. They haven't played each other in a World Cup since 19. 1995, where South Africa won. Talking about
1: other podcasts we could spend time doing instead yeah. of this one, what happened in South Africa in 1995? Incredible. With, yeah, go and watch Invictus, if that's...
0: One of the great movies. One of the great movies. It's, so yeah. there's, a, I mean, I guess the, the important part about this game is a lot of history coming into it. and It'll be really interesting to see what the result is. You've got a favourite for that? Oh, I'm not. I couldn't pretend to be an expert. I haven't watched enough of it. I'm not sorry. either, but I'm going for New Zealand. <laughs> oh Well, that, they are the favourites. Yeah, so so that's a That's a pretty good bet. <laughs> um, also, we talked in Squeeze Today yesterday. The Matildas are back in action. They played Iran on Thursday night. They won. Yeah. They play the Philippines tomorrow, Chinese Taipei or Taiwan on Wednesday. These are the qualifying matches for the Olympics for the Asia region. Yeah. And, Kate, I'm going to get you
1: to talk about this one because I can't pronounce it. <laughs> oh, the uh, the <laughs> Ballon Dior. The Balon. Dior, I want to say Ballon d'Or, but anyway. It might be. I don't know. On the topic of football, um, it's one to watch on Monday.
0: Yeah, it's the most prestigious, I guess, or one of the most prestigious, but let's go with most prestigious, um, individual honour in football. The women's are important to note for us because Sam Kerr and Hayley Russo are both up for that award. Neither have won it before. Fingers crossed. Yeah, let's do that. That'd be
1: great. Um, Before we leave the weekend, Sunday is Grandparents' Day.
0: And I was going to ask you a bit about your grandparents. Do you have a story, Claire?
1: Yeah, so getting back to the racing
0: thing. Oh, um, okay, this is where we're doing it. Okay, <laughs>
1: exactly. So I don't know whether my family was different to everyone else's, but there was definitely a favourite set of grandparents.
0: Oh, okay. Very, like you had a favourite?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Like They were just the favourite grandparents okay. for sure. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather was a racehorse trainer, so oh. that's how I started riding horses for all those years. But, yeah, no.
0: Then you know a lot about horses and now I understand
1: why. Pete. Pete, my grandfather, Pete, Peter Hogan, he know. was a bit of a legend around racehorse
0: training in Albury. And he, so he was your favourite grand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He oh, was okay. great. Fun. See, I ha- still have grandparents alive, so I definitely can't tell you if I've got favourites. <laughs> Let's just leave that there. <laughs> we'll wait for a few more years. <laughs> exactly. Tuesday is Halloween, um, something I'll never understand. I don't understand why you'd want to deliberately scare <laughs> yourself. I have no idea. I think it's the creepiest thing. I don't think it's about being scared, is it?
1: It's um, about candy.
0: Well, yes, that too. Yeah, and, and it's becoming much more of a and thing a community event to get out and about yeah. and go for a wander,
1: where you true. get your little girls out and about. No, no. Okay. no, I don't think so. Rightio. I Sorry, mean, the longer guys. I can
0: delay the having to get dressed up <laughs> and go out and do things like that, the better. Okay. They're only three in one, so we've got some time. Um, on a serious <laughs> note, on Tuesday, the White Island judgment is being handed down. Claire, this has been
1: quite a while coming. Yeah, so of course the White Island volcano that was the one that erupted back in December 2019, if you yeah. can believe it, almost 4 years ago. 22 people were killed, many were Australians. Several others were very badly injured. This is the final judgment when it comes to the workplace safety part of this, part yeah. of this which is how they've prosecuted those involved. A couple of the big Charges have been dropped against the tourism companies. There's one charge left.
0: There's one charge left. So it's about Wakari Management Limited, the company that owns White Island. It's a bit confusing because three brothers own that company. They own the island. Their charges as individuals have been dismissed as well, Mm. but the company remains on trial and that's what this judgment is about. And, And, I mean, what they're actually judging on is whether the company took reasonable actions to manage risk. Other things to look out for? Uh,
1: Qantas has its shareholder meeting on Friday, its annual general meeting. Your eyes just lit up. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> get the popcorn out. It's kind of very exciting. Yeah. And I've managed a few big AGMs in my time. I do not envy anyone in corporate affairs yeah. or shareholder
0: relations at Qantas. Good luck with that. Yeah, you're going to have a very big week. We see you. Claire, our partner on the podcast this week is Angus Park. They're working with us to share some recipes as we head towards what can be a busy social season. We'll get to the food in a sec, but first a bit about Angus Park. They're an Aussie brand. They make dried fruits you can find in your supermarket's baking aisle. They started in South Australia's Barossa Valley in 1911. And,
1: look, we've talked about my math skills before and they're not great, but that's more than 100 years ago. (laughs) And, Kate, to the food, the recipe that they're suggesting this week is a white chocolate Christmas bark. So it's got dried apricots, figs, pretzels, Mm. chocolate, coconut. Delicious.
0: So, so easy as well. Ten minutes to prep. Let it set. Love that. I reckon I'll make it and use it as a Christmas gift for my neighbours.
1: Yeah, nice one. Or you could just eat it if that's what you wanted to do. That's okay. That's but gifting's to... a nice thing to have up your sleeve. Um, yum. And it looks great. It looks really pretty, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, it really does. For that recipe and more, head to Woolworths Online Recipe and Ideas. A link is in your episode notes. Newsy recommendation from me this week, Claire. We both tuned into Four Corners, which was all about Snowy 2.0, Claire. Snowy Hydro 2.0 if yep. you want to get, you know technical about (laughs) it. Technical. It It was once estimated to cost $2 billion. It's now four years behind schedule. It's forecast to potentially cost $12 billion. This investigation by Four Corners was a fascinating look at what's gone wrong. It was really interesting because they had the key players talking about it on the record and answering
1: some pretty tough questions, but also given the opportunity to really explain why they took the decisions that they took at the time. You and I were texting about Florence. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, before I started watching the show, you said, "Wait till you hear what happened to Florence." <laughs> yes, she and she so I bombed. was, I was, yeah. I was intrigued. <laughs> Poor Florence. So, look,
1: you'll understand if you watch the episode. Basically, she's a huge tunneling machine. These things are massive. Massive. Um, she got stuck. On- <laughs> I'm sorry, Florence. <laughs> we shouldn't
0: laugh. This is really, like, this is taxpayer money. <laughs> she got
1: she got stuck 150 metres into the 15-kilometre journey. Yeah. Um, they didn't say a lot about it at the time. In fact, there's definitely the suggestion that the company wasn't really all that upfront about exactly what, what was, was happening. Um, mm. Malcolm Turnbull was Prime Minister at the time when they really announced this project who committed the funds. He wanted it to be in action from next year and he talked about his disappointment
0: about where things are now. That it wasn't. So it was supposed to be um, providing a lot more energy for Australia. Florence is very key to this. She has been paused in their words, but, yes, she is still bogged. Chris Bowen, who's the Energy Minister, has backed the project in, but there have been lots of question marks about this because, of course, as I said before, it is taxpayer money. Should we go with a lighter recommendation if you don't want to tune into an hour about Snowy Hydro, <laughs> even though we recommend it? <laughs> I. It's quite... An entertaining story. It is. Yeah. Even
1: as sad as it is with all the money and, and all the progress that they haven't made. The Wiggles, I thought, was a really interesting uh, movie that Amazon Prime has on at the moment, really going from the start of their journey through to being one of the greatest, biggest kind of kids franchises in the world. Even just the biggest bands in Australia, like just music oh, yeah. in general.
0: Well, they're quite amazing. I haven't watched it yet. You have. You recommend it. So we'll pop that in your episode notes as well. Squeeze Press this week, two things. Uh, Just to follow on from last week, we spoke about the Red Cross clothing drive with Uber Claire, where last Saturday you could order an Uber to take unused clothing to the nearest Red Cross free of charge. Great initiative. One we took up at the Squeeze, us and 10,000 others. Yeah, 10,000 others dialed into that to get their clothes taken away.
1: Um, If you like numbers, which we do, uh, 120,000, kilograms of clothes collected. That's amazing.
0: Amazing. Really good results. So thank you to anyone out there who did get involved and do that. The last thing is if you like the weekly wrap, it would be super handy if you could leave us a review. If you're listening on Apple, on Spotify, you can tell us what you thought of the episode. We'd love to hear from you, particularly if it's good. I I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) If you have um, some negative feedback, perhaps maybe, maybe an email. (laughs) Or just go and have a coffee. Just don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. No. Please leave us a review. It helps other people discover our podcast and helps us grow. So we would appreciate that. We would. Thank you and have a great weekend.